Hello, and welcome to Leather Talk with Mr. Bullet Leather 2020. I'm your host, Brandon. Today's guest is someone who's been involved with leather for a very long time. It is said that they could do your makeup and kick your ass. His mantra is, let's fuck shit up. He holds the title of Mr. Precinct Leather 2018 and was the runner-up for the Mr. Los Angeles Leather 2018 title. Let's get ready for some more Leather Talk. This is Brandon, your Mr. Bullet Leather 2020, and today we have Spike. Hi, Spike. Hello, everyone. How we doing? Good, good. Uh, Spike, would you mind introducing yourself, please? Hello, everyone. My name is Spike. I'm a cis male. I identify as queer. I am Mr. Precinct 2018 and the first runner-up Mr. Los Angeles 2018. That's right. That's right. And uh, Spike, how long have you been in or in and out of the leather scene? I've started performing and going to clubs in 2007. Uh, I've had fetishes and kinks and uh, been exploring those for a really long, dirty time. (laughs) And we'll definitely get into all of the dirty talk. But not as long as others. Yeah, well, you know. I'm always learning, you know. That's great. That's really great. I always say, you know, you never want to stop learning. I learn new things every day. (laughs) Oh, no. If you think you know it all, you are wrong. That's right. That's right. Well, Spike, before we get into your kinky side and sort of your leather journey, I do want to kind of figure out some of your origins. Um, So you said you identify as queer. Is that right? Yes, that is right. That's correct. When did you first discover for yourself that you were queer or other? Honestly, it started very young. I think it was the first day of preschool. I came home and my teacher was a female and the teacher's aide was a male. And I found them both very, very attractive. And of course, at that young age, things were tingling. It was strange. Mm-hmm. Uh, I came home, told my mom, and she said it was a face and that I would get through it. <laughs> Little did I know, I would never get through it. <laughs> we have a, a very similar experience there. Um, what, what ethnicity are you? I am a Latin mix. My mother and father are both Mexican, but my father's grandparents are from Spain. Um, so I'm Latinx. I'm a, you know, a bit of a mm-hmm. Latin mutt. Okay. Okay. Uh, did, did your family kind of come along with the whole like machismo, like, you know, man, gotta be the man in the family kind of oh, thing? 100%. You know, um, my mom's side of the family is a little more free and, you know, um, you're able to express yourself. Obviously, mm-hmm. that, that, that came later because of me, but they're a little more accepting. My father's side is definitely old school. My dad is, you know, you walk a certain way, you talk a certain way, you dress a certain way. You know, um, it's all about the image and the strength of a man, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. I don't know if you felt like this uh, growing up, but I remember thinking about just like the way that I sat, the way that I moved my my arm on the table, like whatever movement, I it was always conscious of every movement that could give me away is it's gay. Oh no. It was like every 30 seconds. He's like, don't do this with your wrist. Don't do that with your hands. And you're using your hands to talk too much. And I'm like, dude, like I'm just fucking talking, you know, like I am just talking and I'm just trying to express myself. And then I would feel bad about it. You know, I'm like, Oh, well now I just, I did that and I did this and I, you know, so it kind of made me a quiet kid for a while Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. until I was like, no, you know, stop holding my wings back. When did your family figure out that you were queer? Well, my coming out story is kind of graphic and and terrible. So trigger warning. Um, I was outed a couple weeks before my 18th birthday. Um, I had gone to a local party. um, And, you know, being a queer brown man from the ghetto. I I grew up in Norwalk. Um, I don't know if anyone's familiar with Norwalk. Um, At the time, it was a kind of a gang area, uh, you know, cute but pretty ghetto and unsafe for people like myself Mm -hmm. um 
So I went to this local party and finding a, a, a queer brown boy, I was like, hey, another queer brown boy. Wow, this is awesome. So we went to, we got in his car and like went to a park to make out in the back seat. You know, one thing led to another. Next thing, before you know it, there's a cop knocking at the door or at the window. Um, Perfect. And he, and he kind of he pulled us out and you know, this is where it gets dark. You know, he pulled us out and, you know, laid us on the ground and made us like practically bite the curb, you know. Um, and it's like, you know, does your mom know you're a faggot and all this stuff? And it was, again, two weeks before my 18th birthday. So I had a present in the back seat, um, and the present was wrapped in a box, unopened. The cops opened it um, and it was a bottle of booze. Um, so, of course, they, you know, told my mom that I was, you know, having sex in the park. They told them I had an open bottle of container of booze. I told them I was driving, which none of which is true. You know, mm -hmm. I, ha I hadn't even got any yet. You know, if I had gotten some, then maybe I wouldn't be so pissed about it. But I hadn't gotten any, you know, <laughs> we were just getting started, um, <laughs> you know. But yeah, so I was outed to my mom by the cops. So not only did I go through this horrific experience being humiliated and outed in front of my mother, you know, I couldn't really deal with being aggressively dealt with by cops. Yeah. You know, um, and then she couldn't look at me. She couldn't look at me for months. You know, she said she just wanted her little boy back. And, you know, we got through it eventually. Um, again, it was really close to my 18th birthday. I was almost graduating high school. And as soon as I graduated high school, I got, you know, the F out of Dodge. Yeah. Um, you know, and I came to L.A. to pursue my acting and, you know, artistic career as a person. Um, and it took me moving away for them to accept that, you know, now she's my best friend. Um, you know, I talk to her every day where I'm sex positive. I'm kink positive. I don't hide anything. And if I don't hide anything from my mother, that means I'm not going to hide anything from the world. Mm. Um, my father, on the other hand, I haven't spoke to him in over 15 years. Uh, we have a troubled past. He was abusive. Um, Again, trigger warning, uh, physically, sexually, mentally. So he kind of messed me up pretty hardcore. Um, I'm currently now starting, to, you know, with this whole pandemic, you know, it's, it's, it's forcing you to look inward. So I've now been seeking help and going through therapy to figure out my emotions with my daddy issues, mm -hmm. you know. Um, you know, but he was a dark, dark man. And he did some dirty, dirty, dark things to me. And, um, you know, um, I still haven't dealt with him or I haven't dealt with him, you know, per se, I guess. Right. You know, it, it wasn't until a later age that I realized what was happening to me was wrong the whole time. So I kind of dealt with it for a very long time. And then about 16, I was like, whoa, this is messed up. And I fought back and I got out of it. And then we didn't talk for a couple of years. And then he helped me out um, when I was in my early 20s. And we, you know, we, 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 we spoke and I was like, oh, maybe he's not that bad of a person and yeah. it turns, turns out he is <laughs> i mean you know it's sad to say that you're definitely not the only person that's that's gone through that kind of experience with a no. parent you know yeah of course um are you guys on speaking terms now my father and i know um mm -hmm. he you know i believe he's reached out through third parties trying to to fix things i'm quite i'm, I'm just not ready yet mm -hmm. you know um i'm i just need to deal with a couple things before i go you know, uh, fixing, mend mending, mending things. Um, yeah. And, you know, he wasn't there for most of my life. So, you know. I mean, this might be too deep of a question and you don't have to answer any questions that you are not comfortable with, but do you remember the last words you said to him? Oof. I can remember the last thing I texted to him. Mm -hmm. You know, I was like, I hope all is well. You know, because it's true. I do really hope all is well. I'm not a terrible human being. Um, he is my father after all. But, you know, what he did was wrong. And, right. you know, I'm, I'm just not over it yet. I mean, as you're as someone who's still going through sort of this journey, I guess, with your, you know, as in your words, daddy issues, what would be your advice or, or message to other people listening to your voice right now going through something similar? Honestly, I feel like, you know, I thought I was the only one and, and I'm, and no one is, you know, there is someone out there that can relate to you and can either help you or, or take something from your story. So I feel like just be yourself 100% mm -hmm. of the time. I'm the same exact person I was when I was a little kid. 
you know, and, and it took my, my whole life to destroy that person. And then it took half my life to build that person back up to the person I was, I was in the beginning, hmm. you know, um, which is like crazy. Cause it is a full circle, I guess, you know, you're born into the person you really are. Then society rips you apart and tells you who you should be. And then you're like, wait, no, wait a minute. I know who I was. It was who I was born to be in the beginning. That's real. I've never thought of it that way. But as you were saying that, I'm like, I saw my life flash before my eyes. You're hundred yeah. percent right. Yeah. My mom and I talk about this all the time because when I was a little kid, I wanted to run around in shirt. Shirt. I wanted to. Wear, this is like true story. Ask everyone I know. I tell this at every fucking party I go to. I I had a mohawk. I wore. I had a little leather vest. I had these crazy little short shorts, you know, those '80s shorts with a crazy print, yeah, with like with black cowboy boots. Oh my gosh, that's you! And, and I cried, I cried because she wouldn't let me go to school that way. Wow, you know, because I was like, I don't care. This is who I am. But she did save me because later in life, I did go to school the way I wanted to dress, and I did get made fun of for it. You know? Yeah. yeah. But I grew, I grew from it later. You know, full circle. You are who you are. Don't ever change. That's so funny. They, I, as you're saying that, I, <laughs> I mean, I don't dress like this anymore. But I, I do remember being like in kindergarten, and I would play dress up with some of my girlfriends, and I had like a gold cape with like a crown. And right. <laughs> but why don't you? You know, maybe right. you should be walking around in a cape and a crown. Well, you might see Mr. Bullet Leather 2020 walking around <laughs> North Hollywood. I mean, let's do it. I, you know, we're we're neighbors, so let's. That's down. true. That's true. Little, little matching cape. And mask and and crown and be like you know, right? I I traded my cape for a leather jacket. (laughs) I still to this day I I really want a leather cape, and I know they're out there. I've seen multiple people. My friends own them. That that you could totally rock that. I could totally see it. (laughs) I have a leather dress. Why wouldn't I have a leather cape? Right. Well, okay. So you know, going going kind of back to your coming out. Besides your mother, who's finally, you know, kind of come around, are there any people in your life, family or friends that supported you along the way? Coming out was, you know, it was its own little beast. And then I feel like everyone kind of, when you, I mean, everyone knows when Mm -hmm. you're gay, everyone knows when you're gay. So when, when you come out, your family's always, usually they're like, they're like, but really they're like, yeah, we knew. You know, yeah, yeah. So, you know, the uncles are kind of weird. The cousins are kind of weird, but then like, you know, they forget about it because you just, you're, I'm, I'm, I'm myself. I'm unapologetically myself all the fucking time, you know? So they kind of get used to it and they have no choice, mm-hmm. you know? And, and if they want to continue a relationship and be a family, then that's what we have to do. So what got you to come out to LA? Why, why LA? Why not well, Arizona well, or New well, York well, or... <laughs> I'm from Los Angeles. Norwalk is only about 30 minutes south of LA. So mm-hmm. I grew up coming to Hollywood Boulevard, going to punk shows at the Knitting Factory. People that know the Knitting Factory be like, yeah, I know that. People that don't are like, what? You know, it was a, it was a punk venue on Hollywood Boulevard. And there was like underage clubs at the time. So like Hollywood was like the it spot for people in this area, you know, mm-hmm. so we would take the bus, we would, you know, we would, you know, bum rides. I think even one time we hitchhiked to, uh, to Hollywood. It was pretty, wow. pretty, now that I think about it, I'm like, oh shit, that was pretty kind of dangerous, <laughs> really, really dangerous, you know? Um, but you know, that, so, you know, I, and I've always, I've always been a performer, you know, ever since the third grade. So I knew, you know, since the third grade, I wanted to be an actor. I wanted to be a performer. So, you know, as soon mm-hmm. as I graduated high school, I, I came out to Los Angeles. I went to AMDA, the American Musical Dramatic Academy. It is a acting conservatory. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't finish because, you know, I'm a poor brown boy from Norwalk. So, you know, loans didn't go through. And I was just like, I was out. I was out on my ass and I couldn't, you know, so that was it. I'm out, you know, and I, and I, never, I never left. You know, I'm still here. Uh, you know, I'm still acting, I'm still modeling, I'm still performing and it's just, it's become bigger and bigger, you know? Mm -hmm. So my wings just kind of just like get larger and larger and the things I want to do, but it's always performing. It's always being artistic. It's always spreading love. It's always spreading joy. It's always spreading sex, you know? So LA LA is the place to be for me. I mean, it sounds like a perfect fit. I'm just, you know, I'm happy that you found it on your first trip out of home. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, again, like, you know, my first trip out of home every other weekend trying to get to LA. Right. So right. <laughs> it was fami- it was familiar ground and I just wanted to experience it as an adult, you know, and this is where it's at. This is where the money happens. This is where the magic happens. 
So let's talk a little bit about um, your your kinky side. Um, when did you just my favorite side for your kink side? I mean, even though my dad is a terrible, terrible man, can you hear me? Yeah. Okay, great. Even though my dad is a terrible, terrible man, he did instill some some really awesome, badass qualities qualities in me. Um, you know, his love for keeping a, 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 a tough exterior, you know, went along with the clothing. So my love for denim came from my father. You know, he wanted like, you know, sexy 501 leather, like, uh, excuse me, sexy 501 uh, Levi's, you know. So I, that's how I experienced it. Like, oh, shit. This is hot. Let, you know, uh, den- denim is hot. Denim vests are great. And then he would buy me boots. He loved boots. And his he was a boot black um for fun you know he was a mechanic by nature but a boot black for fun and that's what he did as a child so he boot black as a kid as a kid in mexico and his dad was um a boot black as a kid in mexico also i think it's it's kind of a big thing you know like when you're young you're put to work very early because you know you're a poor family so you pick up traits wherever you can and so boot blacking kind of runs in the family as like a side hustle or your first hustle you know i see so he wanted to show me that very early on and just like the care for the leather, you know, you know, he'd buy me these amazing boots. And so he had an extensive boot collection. So I had to have an extensive boot collection and he had jackets. So I had to have jackets and then jackets turned into belts and matching belts, with boots. And, you know, so you just learn to care for these things. So all, even though he was like, you know, messing me up mentally, he was also kind of giving me something that I would hold near and dear to my heart later in life, you know? So I've always had this love for leather and keeping it nice and maintaining it and being a part of you. Cause if you put on a pair of boots, damn, you feel, <laughs> you feel on top of the world, you know? It's, and, and, in and, some ways, do you feel tied to your father when you put on your leather? Or? I, 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 I'm tied to that image. Mm-hmm. I'm tied to if I put on a piece of leather, that power runs through my veins, that runs through everyone's veins because they feel so sexy. But you know what? Sometimes that leather isn't a boot. Sometimes that leather is a dress. Sometimes that leather is a heel. You know, the yeah. more and more my mission on earth is to learn and learn and learn and then to question it. Mm-hmm. You know, so I, I learned the old ways of leather and I pay homage. But I am not old leather. I am new leather. I am new world. You know, I'm here to do what you do and also be me in the process. So because I'm queer, because I like makeup and because I like heels and I like dresses sometimes, it doesn't make me less of a man, mm-hmm. you know? So I'm taking these things that I love about the feminine, you know, aspect of myself and meshing them with these strong, sexy, scary memories of a childhood and just making them my own. Well, now that now that you mentioned um, sort of like the the cross between femininity and and masculinity, at least society's idea of it, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, I, I do want to ask you a, a little bit about your your leather contest um, because I know you do kind of play with those those barriers. Uh, you know, you could I could see you out in like a leather vest at the bullet with like painted nails, for example, <laughs> like jewelry right. and stuff. Yeah. And I remember listening to your voice actually on another podcast called the competition. And one thing that always stuck with me, it was something like, like I'll kick your ass and I'll paint your nails or something like that. <laughs> I think I said, I can, I can kick your ass and I can do your makeup. That's oh, right. That's what it is. Right. And you know, I, I, I stand, uh, you know, true to that like mm-hmm. i can do your makeup and i can probably kick someone's ass like i'm i'm a fighter you know from day one and you know like, i mean i i draw power from it you know i i think it was very embarrassing at the beginning because you know lots of people don't want to sl- sleep with or aren't attracted to men in makeup mm-hmm. or they see a boy in a dress and it's like oh you know what i mean but like those same people will find me attractive if i'm if i'm shirtless in little shorts do you know Right. And, and you know, it's it's difficult even for your own self to realize that I feel sexy in a dress. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I feel as sexy in a dress as I do in my leather pants. You know what I find that is really um, interesting and sexy about you is that when we met and I saw you kind of wearing these cross genres of clothing – you know, if you're just looking at a, at, a, at a picture, you don't get the full experience, but the 
the fact that you're so comfortable with yourself and and how you present yourself gives you like this energy that is just so unique. And when you're around somebody that has that energy where like they're I'm confident in myself no matter whatever you think, like that's sexy. Well, <laughs> I guess I didn't tell you um, verbally, uh, but we did find each other later in the back of the yeah. bar. So. <laughs> we, we, we have expressed the feeling. Right. <laughs> Take that as you will, public. Um, no, no, you know, it's, it's, it, is a, it is a thing, you know. Um, so it, took what, a long, it took a long time to get here, you know, <laughs> so I'm not going to let someone tell me that I'm not sexy for something that I am, you know. And again... I, I pay homage to old school and I am new school. So sometimes I do just want to be in normal leathers and sometimes I do want to be in normal dress. But this, it's a feeling. It doesn't make you more or less of a man or a kinkster or a leather person or, you know, it just, it makes you, it makes you you. And that's, that's, this is all expression. That's what it's all about. Well, let's talk about your outfits for the competition. Did you have any cross genres for the competition? Uh, I did. I think my form my formers my formals were like a a buckled like a buckly like a tank top with buckles and then like a a long dress, a mm. skirt, skirt like from from like high waisted to the ground and then I wore 9 inch stiletto leather leather boots. Wow. Um you know, that was my formals. So while the other competitors were in f- traditional formals, I wore a leather dress, and, you know, and I was wearing, I was wearing le- red lipstick and a mohawk, you know. Um, and, you know, but then when I competed for Mr. Los Angeles, I wanted to also show that I knew my history, mm-hmm. you know. So I did a little more traditional for Mr. Los Angeles, but I also still wore you know, I wore a kilt instead of pants, you know, I did wear, I did wear makeup, you know, I did wear the heels, you know, so there was a little bit of that cross between, you know, I do, you know, I mean, I feel sexiest in a jock and some combat boots or, or, or just heels and a vest, you know? Were you at all surprised at the result of winning the precinct leather title at that time, because of the fact that you were probably the only person with that kind of you know feminine masculine crossing over you know i was just doing it for Mm -hmm. the fuck of it you know i'm just like hey i'm gonna do this because i can and i did and i won and like as soon as i won i was over overwhelmed with the emotions and feelings of like now i have i have something to say and i did i did have something to say before you know, because I, I ran by the same, you know, the same platform. I'm being yourself and being queer and just expressing yourself and paying homage to tradition and making up your new ones and being you, you know. Um, but I was surprised that I won. And as soon as I won, I had a mission. And the mission was to tell everyone that it was okay to be yourself. And there is room for you in the kink and leather community. And there are going to people be people with opinions. And that's everywhere. Yeah. Especially, especially now, you know. Um, so fuck them. Have you know? Be yourself. Have a good time, and literally fuck them. Find them. Ask them if they want a bone. Get their consent, and then bone them and change their mind. <laughs> I can promise you, there are people who have found me not attractive in heels, and then have found me attractive in boots, and then we do fuck. And I say, now next time it's going to be with lipstick, you motherfucker, <laughs> because you it. know, because you know you're going to want it. I love it. I was thinking of making these. Um coasters with pictures of the like each coaster has a uh, picture of the guests that's come on the leather talk show and on the back of the coaster we'll have like a quote and yours should just say fuck (laughs) them fuck them that's what i say um if you do a calendar i want to be mr december Ooh, okay (laughs) we'll have to think about that (laughs) come on 2021 get on it you have three months (laughs) you gotta you gotta start shooting and printing baby well, let's go back to um, kind of you coming into leather. Um, you know, you yeah. said you started off where it kind of was a part of your childhood and upbringing. When did it become sexual for you? What was your first okay. kink experience like? Yeah, well, I you know, obviously lived in Hollywood. I was working at a coffee shop, which no longer exists. It's a special time and place in Hollywood. If you were there, hit me up. It was Karma Coffee House in the corner of Selma and Cahuenga. It was Caddy Corner to the Spotlight. RIP <laughs> is no longer in existence. It's a queer, it was a gay bar in the middle of Hollywood. It was great. Um, 
So I worked at this coffee shop. I was the manager. I was there all the time. Um, and I just saw these cool goth people coming in and out all the time. You know, and they were sexy, sexy guys, sexy girls, just like always looking to have it. Like they looked like they were having a fucking blast. And they always came in in the evening and they were always like decked out in like trench coats and jackets and furs and stuff. Little did I know underneath was all this bondage and leather stuff, you know? Um, and, you know, I've always been a bit of a punk goth kid myself. So they invited me to this club called Club Hell. And it was like around the corner from the coffee shop. So I was like, you know what? Screw it. So I closed up the coffee shop after, you know, they're like, come out. I closed up. After I closed up, I went, I walked over and I, I wasn't dressed for it. You know, like I think I was wearing like, I mean, I guess I was dressed for it because that's that's how I dress. But I was <laughs> like just wearing like a tank top and a, a vest and, you know, shorts and boots. And I just walked in and it was just like people hanging from the ceiling, people breathing a fire, people being flogged, people being needled, people, you know, just like all races, all sexes, just having a fucking dirty time. Oh. And oh, I just felt this rush of energy rush over me. And I was like, fuck yeah, I'm home. This wow. is awesome. You know, and I thought, I, you know, I walked around, I had a good time. Um, and I met this woman and she was very attractive, really tall, like just like statuesque. And she's like, you know, you're coming home with me. You know, <laughs> I was like, okay. You know, um, I didn't know about consent then. She didn't ask me, but I said yes. Cause I was like, I'm coming. You said it, you know, and right. she became little, I mean, shortly after that, she became my mistress, you know? Um, and we had a good time. It was never sexual. It was more of a, of a, a top bottom, you know, a power role play. And we, we developed a, a, a troop, a fetish troop called Miss Joy and the malicious kittens. Mm -hmm. um, that was when I found out that I had, you know, I was like, oh, this is fun. I'm a kitty. You know, I'm jumping around. So I'd wear like assless chap or well, chaps. All chaps are assless. So I was, <laughs> I know I dance around in chaps and boots and I would have like claws and I, we always had fangs and a little kitty nose painted on and, you know, a butt plug with a tail sticking out because my butt was hanging out and, um, you know, little, little kitty ears. And we were just like, we were the riot, we were the, the, the shit starters, you know? So we would get high. So we, you know, we got, we would get hired at clubs and walk around and mess with people and have fun and scratch people and, you know, flog people. And, you know, and then we started doing performances and, you know, on, on stage, it was, she was my mistress. And in life, she wasn't my mistress per se, because I had my own, my own life, you know, but mm -hmm. she, she taught me everything that I knew about kink at the time. Wow. Um, you know, and, and, you know, I had multiple partners, men and women, you know, through and out the club and, you know, she didn't own me. It wasn't this kind of thing. It was kind of just like, we're going to be kinky and we're going to get paid together and, you know, be sex workers. And we're like, okay, cool. This is super fun. Um, and, you know, then I, then I stumbled into um, a bar and I can't say, cause it's going to get dirty. I stumbled into a bar in LA, Los Angeles, and it was a queer leather bar, and I was like, Hold up. "I want to know, uh, well, what part of Los Angeles <laughs> can um, we hint at?" <laughs> yeah, it's 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 in the, it's in the Hollywood area, you know. Okay. Um, lots, lots of sag uh, seismic activity. Okay, you know? <laughs> it's it's earthquaking. You know, got it. No, I, um, you know, I, I just you know, I, I I walked in and I was like, "This is you know, I'm 21, like I'm queer, I've had gay sex." You know, I like leather, so I'm like, let's just like let's be brave and go into a gay bar. You know, actually, well, that's let me take that back. This is 21 going into a, a leather bar mm -hmm. because I did go go at Rage to put myself through college. Let's just throw that out there. Rest in peace, Rage. Goodbye. <laughs> um, I I worked at MJ's and I worked at Rage. Um, I was the, the little twink Latino go-go boy all over town, um, wow. and that's how I paid for my top ramen. Back to kinky. <laughs> I walked into this, you know, seismic activity bar and it was dirty and it was fun. And oh man, I was like, I'm 21, I'm cute, blah, blah, blah. You know, and I just had the dirtiest, raunchiest time against a wall. And oh, I never looked back. You know, like I went to 665, I went to Rough Trade, I went to, you know, and I just collected all these things to add. And then I realized, I'm like, whoa. I already have lots of leather. Like this is already part of me, you know, and I yeah. was, you know, mesh it all together and be a dirty bastard. It's kind of crazy how, like you said earlier, this whole thing kind of came full circle where you started being yourself again. And then now you realize that like you're already, 
you were always into leather. Like it was always part of you in some way. Absolutely. 100%. And like, like, you know, and like the Mohawk, you know, my name, my birth name is Gustavo. You know, my nickname is Spike because I was born with a Mohawk. I just had little hairs going down, down the center and I'm a junior. So, you know, my family just calls me junior and my, you know, they nicknamed me Spike. So it just stuck. Um, so identify as that, like, you know, like I'm not making, there's, I'm, there's no making up about it. You know, like you're literally just embracing who you've been since day one. Wow. Do you remember, um, like when leather like became sexual to you, do you remember like a specific moment or did it all just kind of culminate to that moment where you met your mistress? Well, I mean that, I mean that I kind of feel like that moment in that queer, like in that gay bar where I, I submitted to a dirty daddy who was much older than me. And, mm-hmm. you know, like I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm very much, uh, I'm a seasonal bottom. You know, like <laughs> what? Which season? <laughs> like once, once every season is what I'm saying. Like oh, every, every, every pumpkin yeah. spice season. Or yeah, like, <laughs> you know, I need, I need, I need a regular dosage of the D. You know, <laughs> but I, 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 uh, in my younger years, I was much more of a bottom, and that's. I feel like I learned how to be a top through being a bottom. I learned how to be a dom through being a submissive, you know? And I feel like just submitting to that man and him just like taking control of my body made me realize that that's what I liked, you know? Right. Um, and, you know, I feel like the next day I went out and bought a leather jock and I still own it to this day. Wow. It's a little tighter sometimes depending, <laughs> on, depending on the month, but you know, it's still here and it's still part of me. And, you know, I did my research. I tried, I, I, I did my homework, you know, and then I tried, and then, then I, you know, it, then you then you learn about LA and you know and the history of the black cat and then you learn about San Francisco and then you go and you explore and I you know do your research and explore you know so because leather has been a part of your life for so long and you kind of discovered your own I guess kind of sexual self through it through it all um, how has the meaning of leather changed for you over the years what does it mean to you today and what did it mean to you when you first got into it. Well, when I first got into it, I was, in, you know, I was introduced to the straight world. So it was kind of just like, it's a weekend fetish, mm-hmm. you know? So I just saw these people expressing themselves. And then I entered into the gay aspect, the, the bar the bar scene aspect. And it seemed a little more regimented, old school. And like, this is what we want to see. And then it seemed to be a lot of people fighting back about what, what needed to be seen. Hmm. And I feel like, you know, I want. I would like to, with all best wishes, to move into a place where everyone can just mind their own fucking business, and wear leather, and have positive conversation, and be sexual. And there's no room for hate, to be honest with you. You know, there, it's it's all about expressing and reclaiming something. Back in the old days, we were reclaiming our masculinity, and now we're just trying to reclaim a space. We're just trying to reclaim an identity, a feeling, an emotion, and if it reaches out to you, if leather is your thing, it is your thing. It doesn't matter who you are, where you are, color, what you like. I, you know, it doesn't matter. I, I don't think personally, you know, it's, it's about taking control and having a good time or letting go and letting someone else take those reins for once. I think that's really interesting what you say about, you know, how it originally came from us reclaiming our masculinity. Cause for the longest time, I mean, I've even talked to older guys who came out way later in their life because they said, you know, I saw gay guys on television. I, I saw them. I thought, well, that's definitely not me. So I must not be gay. And it wasn't until, you know, later on in life, they realized that they didn't need to be like that to identify as gay, to be themselves. Um, and, and you kind of already answered this, um, but I'll ask you anyways, if you want to go into more depth with it, where do you see, you know, as a title holder, where do you see the future leather going or where would you like to see it go? I would just like to see inclusivity in a safe space, you know, just because you don't like something doesn't mean you should yuck someone's yum Mm -hmm. and doesn't mean you can't exist in the same space. You know what I mean? Um, So I would like it to be all inclusive and and just like, you know, let's just all love one another. And if you don't like it, fine. Turn your head or walk away. doesn't mean you have to express that it's something that you don't like, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, we talked a little bit about where you would like to see the future of the leather community go. And 
also some of your sort of beginning experiences within the leather scene. Um, what would you say is maybe one of your most memorable experiences within the leather community, whether that be sexual or not? It's tough. Honestly, I feel like discovering, discovering like my dom daddy side, you know, just being like, I, I fucking love to be served. Like, I can't tell you, I love to be served. I love to tell you what to do. I like to tell you what to say. And it fucking just turns me the fuck on. So just experiencing that in the first time, being like, oh, you're listening to me. Oh, what was that oh, like? Oh, I'm in control. It was just like a dirty time. And it was like, he was like a newbie. Like, you know, we were just mm. two, two, two gay boys exploring each other. And, you know, um, I had some leather, so I put him in it. And he didn't know anything about it. And he's like, and he said, yes, daddy. And I said, what did you just say? And he said, yes, daddy. And I said, I was like, Mm-mm, I'm not old enough to be a daddy. I'm young at this point. You know, so I said, I prefer sir. And it just kind of fucking developed, you know. Oh, my God. Um, and it, I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> I love being in control, you know. How far did you um, go? I mean, like, what What did you do? <laughs> oh, I, I mean, you know, he obeyed everything until I was satisfied. No and way. And then I told him to get up and get out. Wow. Because that's how I felt. And I was in control, you know. Um Oh, it was it was such a uh, it was it was it was hot. It was good to discover something, you know. I think after being oppressed for so long, you can take control. I'm like, this is fucking awesome. Yeah, it's um, interesting. You know, so then I took over my mistress's dom work because mm-hmm. she kind of went MIA. Um, so I took up our clients, and you know, I kept doing it for as long as I could, and the clientele kind of started going more queer. You know, it wasn't always it wasn't more like come be a kitty you know mm-hmm. come, you know like it was like you know you're a, you're a you're a gay man fucking touch me you know so it was cool i it was it was super fun and i enjoyed it so when you say clients is this like would you have classified yourself as like a sex worker or or, or like a kink performer or what was that like absolutely i mean kink performing is sex work in a, in a way mm-hmm. you know like i do you know i i absolutely absolutely to this day you know i have now ventured back into you know the covid era into you know sex work on camera um i you know it's providing service you know absolutely so what what are you doing to stay kinky during covid well i'm i'm, I'm again i can barely check my own email <laughs> Okay. Like I can, I'm so fucking bad. This is why I need a boy or, or just a serve a servant to like help me. Just like check my email, please. <laughs> Thank you, and Daddy will fuck you later, you know. But right now, I need my email checks and and, and some tea and a bagel, and later I'm gonna fuck you so nasty. You know what I mean? Like right, right. <laughs> um, so right now, I I I I am available for you know online sessions of dirty things. My kinks arranged, you know. My, my kinks run the gamut, so I have lots of things I can offer, um, you know. Um, yeah, so I, I, I've reached out to – I mean, I, I'm working right now with a specific website, and I'm, I'm reaching out. I'm still trying to find my place. But, you know, people can always contact me direct and, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, since you brought it up, what, what are some of your kinks? Uh, I well, I mean, I have I have over a hundred tattoos, so I've stopped counting at a hundred. Okay. Um. So obviously, I flag leopard because a tattooed. I do consider myself a daddy. I know I'm only thirty three years old, my Jesus years, but fuck, daddy's daddy's a mental thing, you know. Mm-hmm. So I'll be your daddy anytime, you know. SM uh, bondage, you know. Um, safe sex is one of my things. Sometimes, you know, most of the time, all the time, you know. Um, you I love like blowjobs. Are you saying with like, what do you mean by safe sex? Is that a I mean, fetish? It, it's not, not a fetish. It's, it's, it's a requirement. You know? Oh, okay. Um, you know, I practice bareback sex with my partner and otherwise we play well with others, but we, we, we are safe. Um, Got it. If a relationship does get to a certain point, there is a discussion that shouldn't, shouldn't have needs to be had, obviously, you know, um, but back to fetishes, I love me a good blowjob. I love to fuck. I love to fuck. Um, I love sweaty pits. I'm a huge spitter, which um, now I guess I guess I kind of have to reconsider that now. <laughs> yeah, that's you true. Know, like, honestly, like uh, spitting and biting is like two of my in like spanking. You know, uh-huh. um, my my partner and I are always looking for more partners to have fun with. Um, obviously, with consent and asking daddy first um i love to get my feet sucked and my toes sucked i uh, love love to watch 
a big watcher too. Nice. Um, that's okay. And I love fucking in public and I love fucking outdoors. Uh, yeah. And then, you know, then there's the things that I can do for other people, you know, that's just, that's just what I can do. You know, like that's, what I, that's just what I enjoy. doesn't mean, right. doesn't mean, you know, my submissive side doesn't come out occasionally again, seasonally, you know? So how is your partner kinky also? My partner's pretty, pretty damn kinky. I would say, okay. you know, um, he's much, he's definitely a pleaser. You know, he gets off on getting people off, you know. Um, at one point, I would like I would say he was my submissive. You know, he was my lover in a previous relationship. So I was in a relationship and I wanted more. I needed more. So, you know, I picked him up as my side boy and my side piece. And it just, you know, it was like sex, fucking dirty, fucking whatever I wanted at whatever I said, it was fucking hot. And then something happened. Mm -hmm. It was like me, the person who has zero emotions. Like you can, <laughs> you can talk, if you talk to my old friends, they're like, wait, you like, wait, 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 you have emotions. <laughs> and I'm like, fuck. Yeah. Like this, this, this kid knocked me off my fucking feet. I fucking love him to goddamn death. You know? Um, that is so, so he's kind of upgraded. He, he's upgraded, you know, he's my partner. He's my equal. He's the love of my fucking life. Do you, Doesn't mean we don't like to get fucking down, you know? <laughs> well, do you do you remember like a specific moment where you're like, oh shit, like I'm in love with this guy? Like, we took a trip to Palm Springs, and it was just us two. Um, and my partner at the time was like off with his friend or whatever, doing whatever he was doing, and just like you know, being in the sun. I love I love going to Palm Springs because they have the you know sex positive naked pool parties mm -hmm. and stuff so we were we were at the canyon club i love the canyon club i'm actually going there this weekend oh nice to get to get out of la for a second yeah. um for the first time in you know half a year right um but we you know we were laying around the canyon club and you know just like fucking covered in suntan oil and just like fucking every 30 seconds and oh fuck like you know i was like oh shit like you know, watching him walk away and watching him come back, like the feelings don't change. And when I come, like, you know, if we're friends, it's cool, you know, we're chilling. But sometimes when you come, you're just like, all right, bye. Right, right. You know, and that thought never, I realized that that had, thought had never crossed my mind, you know. And, and then later that summer, because it was pretty much a summer that we had like a really hardcore thing, like all the time, because my partner was out of town for an extended period of time. So, you know, I felt I, you know, I had more time and, you know, he was my, he was my side piece. So of course I had the time for him. Um, you know, we, we were like, he came over and we were watching a movie, you know, kind of Netflix and chill before Netflix was a thing. And I felt, I fell asleep, you know, and I woke up and to me, I felt like I closed my eyes for 30 seconds and I like ran down the hall and I looked around my apartment and he was gone. And I was like, you know, and I called him and like, turns out like I had fallen asleep, but it was like hours later, Wow. you know? So I was like, oh shit. And then I realized like in that moment, I kind of like, you know, sobered up from sleep. I was like, it has been now six hours. I just, I just literally ran down the hall looking for this person. And then I called him at, you know, God knows what time in the morning <laughs> to ask him where he was. I was like, where'd you go? You know? And I was like, oh damn boy, you got feelings. <laughs> so he went you went your side piece to your partner. Well, no. And, you know, then, you know, we kept our side piece thing, uh -huh. you know, going, um, you know, after that, some, my, some, my partner had been gone for four, you know, four, five, six months. I don't even remember at this point. It was a long time. Shit, he was where gone. did they go? Um, they, they did, they did a show, um, you know, so I was in LA and they were in Oklahoma. Okay. Um, so then I went to go see him and, you know, I was like, okay, I'm going to, I think I need, you know, like, oh, wow, crazy things are happening, you know. And he was all aware of, we're all aware of the situation. We had a three thing, a three person thing going, you know, before he left. I see. So, you know, um, it wasn't a thing, you know. But then he proposed to me and I said, yes. Oh, wow. You know, um, and I came back and I pretty much like broke someone's heart, you know, but, but nothing changed. We were still fucking and doing our own thing, you know, and that continued for like another year, you know, um, and then at one point, I, you know, I, the partner I was with at the time, you know, I'm a witch, so I feel everything. I'm an emotional being, you know. So I looked at this person and I was like, you don't want to be with me anymore. And they started crying and, you know, and they're like, I can't, I know, I don't, I don't know how to say it. And I'm like, dude, we're totally cool. It's fine. Like, you know, um, and it did hurt. It did suck, you know, like this didn't work, right. you know, like 
his lifestyle and my lifestyle just weren't the same. You know, I was kinky. I'm dark. I'm brown. You're a white. Like, lots of differences in, in certain cultural things and, like, upbringing. And it just wasn't, it's like, we, like, we respected each other. We've learned from each other. You know, he impacted my life. I impacted his life. It's just, it's just not, it's just, this isn't, this isn't forever. Yeah. You know? I mean, certain people are put on our lives for a moment yeah. for a reason, you know, and then that's so it. Then I, yeah. So then I went to go stay with my partner and, you know, uh, he told me not to ever leave. <laughs> and here you are. <laughs> and here I am, you know, he's the love of my life and, you know, we're together. We've been, you know, intimate for 15 years. We've been, you know, together for nine years and we've been engaged for two. Okay. You know, so like we've been together a really long time. So do you operate as like an open relationship or a polyamorous, I'm guessing, just based off of your story? Yeah. I don't like the word open relationship. Okay. Um, I don't know why. It just kind of rubs me the wrong way. It feels it feels dismissive in a certain way. You know, I mean, I'll probably get shit for this later or like, you know, I'm still learning. I don't really like that word. Um, so I prefer we play well with others. Okay. You know, um, he is my partner. He is my number one. Everything else is fucking fun and dandy, you know? Um, but I, I require 100% disclosure. I want to talk about it. I want to know. You know what I mean? Right. You know? Um, I want to be informed and I want to be in control. And and that's the thing. That's also, you know, like I just, I just, I, did, I need to know. Um I want to know there needs to be communication so you can do what you want to do, but we need to talk about, you know, there needs, just needs to be. So do you guys play together? Oh yeah. I mean, yeah, we haven't in a long time, but yeah, absolutely. You know, together one-on-one, like we're down, you know, absolutely. I have a, I have a wall full of toys and a drawer waiting. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Me, yeah. Yeah. Me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh goodness! Well, I mean, we're all just like cooped up and horny right now. Oh, isn't that the truth? Like, <laughs> yes. I, I, I'm telling you, like at this point, like I just, I, I see, I'm like, oh, calves. Mm. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, oh, cleavage. I'm like, fuck. I'm like, look at that ass, both of you. Come here, <laughs> fuck. It's, it's, it's damaging to the soul. So let's let's go back to maybe one of your most sexual kinky experiences. What what has been your most memorable kinky experience or fetish experience? I I mean, like I've practically eaten someone alive because I like to bite so much. Oh my gosh! Yeah, like oh, if you let me leave marks, and I'm oh, I will leave you looking like a leopard. Do you like to draw blood or? No, I mean, no, unless it comes to that, mm-hmm. you know, some, sometimes you just need to bite the fuck out of something. No, I mean, I have, I have, yes, but like, I'm not really into blood, you okay. know, <laughs> you know, um, I do like to bite, I like to spit, you know, like, it's just like, oof, any, any, any form of, you know, degradation and control that I can take. I think I also like, I like when I submit, I submit, mm-hmm. you know, like I fucking like send me to that subspace. I want to feel nothing and everything at once. So I think I love that pain, mm-hmm. that sh- the shock of the pain. Um, and I think I love it so much. I've learned how to control it to the point where I think I can make pain pleasurable for anybody. Mm. You know. So it's like that caress of the neck, and then the bite on the thigh, and then that 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 that, that, that grasp around the thigh where I just bit you and I rub it, and then I just bite you on the side. Like you just like don't expect it. So it's these rushes of endorphins of being coddled and cuddled like a baby, and then fucking ripped apart like an animal. Oh my god, Spike! <laughs> <laughs> See again, again, services services are, are available. I don't know if it's like, the COVID talking, or the quarantine talking, or it's getting <laughs> hot in here. <laughs> are you drinking? It could be that. <laughs> no, just the. Uh, uh, a seltzer <laughs> <laughs> gay, gay water gay water yeah <laughs> love it love it um, so what about <laughs> I call this kinks gone wrong I don't know if you've heard of it before but it's where I ask you about um, any funny or, or embarrassing kinky stories that you have oh that's I don't know that's it's all kinds of it's all kinds of boats and windows. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I've puked before. Like I've completely puked in someone's lap. Oh, you know, while giving like giving a blowjob on accident. 
Oh yeah, yeah, completely. Like, cause I have no gag, like I have no gag reflex. I can take your cock <laughs> in my mouth, no problem. But brushing my teeth in the morning, like it's like, ha, 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 like, like I can't, I can't. Like it's just a thing. My partner you know? to I'm like, I'm like, babe, you suck cock <laughs> like all the time, and you can't even brush your teeth. <laughs> no, this is this is a running joke with my partner and I. We're like, what the hell? Like sometimes also like taking pills. I'm like, I can't swallow. I can swallow anything, but I can't fucking take a little goddamn aspirin. You know. Yeah. Um, so so it was just one of those nights, and I feel like it was like I think it might have been like my first adios. You know. I'm like, uh, you know, someone bought me this a blue shiny drink, and I'm like, fuck it, cool. So then, like, you know, things get dirty, and you start, I start blowing somebody, and dude, the room just spun, and uh, before I knew it, I was, I, I was like, I just looked up, and I'm so sorry. You know, like oatmeal <laughs> dripping down my lip, like oh it's my like, I, and I didn't even have oatmeal that day. It was weird. <laughs> Oh my so, god. So like and, and of all places, like I was I was at the Abbey. Like <laughs> I was like in a in a booth at the Abbey and they're like, excuse me, sir, you have to go. And I'm like, I know I have to go. Like I just puke in someone's they're lap. Like, I'm gonna kick you out so, when you were they're like, Yeah, they're like, but now you're yeah. now you cross a line. <laughs> Imagine being the bouncer, being like, you see someone blowing somebody, you're like, Well, I gotta go kick this person out. And before you get there, he's like puked in his lap and he's crying now. <laughs> And, you know, I wasn't crying because I was mad. I was just, I was like, oh, fuck. I'm just crying because I, 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 you know, I puked. Your eyes get watery. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't, you know, yeah. You cracked me up. So. <laughs> <clears throat> All right. Going back to your competition, because I, now I'm more even more curious about your competition <laughs> is, so this was back in 2018, what first of all how did you hear about a leather competition how did you find out that precinct was having one and what 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 was your motivation i know you said it was just something that i wanted to do for the fuck of it but i mean kind of a lot of work to i mean what what really got into you Um, well i i had done work with fifi before fifi is the previous winner of the Mr. Precinct, the first winner of Mr. Precinct competition. And Fifi ran in drag. Fifi ran in drag, and Fifi's like not your ordinary drag queen. Fifi's like rambunctious and loud and pushes fucking buttons and in your fucking face punk rock, you know? So I've done, I had done work, I worked with Fifi before. We like, we were in, we did a pride float together. We did like a float for AP, APHLA, you know? So we'd done stuff before together. Mm-hmm. And Fifi knew that I was kind of a kingster, you know, leather person. And, you know, they reached out and were like, hey, you should run for Mr. Precinct. And I was like, oh, cool. Yeah, whatever. Um, and I gave it some thought and I, you know, downloaded the application and, and, you know, got my shit together. And I was like, well, I don't have, you know, oh, I'm not, I'm not a traditional leather man, you know, Fifi. And he's like, well, you know, I ran in drag, you know, and like, I'm just doing, I'm just trying to fuck shit up. You want to fuck shit up? And I was like, you know what? Let's fuck shit up. So I did it. I pulled my shit together in like a week, less than a week. And I got in there under the deadline and I ran for Mr. Precinct. And I was like, listen, I'm Mr. Precinct. I'm Spike. This is what I fucking do. This is who I am. I don't really care. I do care a lot about people. I'm about spreading love, joy, sex, and emotion and acceptance. If not, fuck you. <laughs> you know, fuck them. <laughs> you know? Um, and then that's it. And I ran and I did it and I won. And like, it just, as soon as I won, I was like, I have to spread this message of just being yourself and doing you, you know? Yeah. And then I was like, Oh fuck, I got home. And I mean, the next day it kind of sunk in and I was like, Oh damn, I have a lot of work to do. (laughs) This is going to be really hard. And then I went, you know, and then you, then you're, then you're, then you're in it. When you're in it, you're in it. You're like, and, and no matter how much you prepare, no matter how much, you know, once you, when you win a title, those of you who won a title and those of you who haven't, you know, like being close to that person or handling that person, it's a lot to take on. It takes a piece of you. And honestly, to be honest with you, it kind of messed me up in a strange little weird way. If you want to hear about it. Yeah. Like I just, you know, I've always fluctuated in weight, you know, like I either, like I either, like I'm always like, I've been every different size under the moon, you know? Yeah. And I feel like, I feel like as soon as I won Mr. Precinct, I kind of just, I stopped working out 
and I I just felt like I needed I had I could, I had some weird underlining point to prove you know I I said I'm gonna be queer and I'm not you know and I'm not gonna be the image that everyone wants to see you know and that's always like thin you know sexy and toned you know because you did that whole you should live this way thing already and it didn't work for you yeah you know and like it just and i I was living a healthy lifestyle and what i do want you know i did want to be fit at the time and i still do sometimes you know but like also whatever weight you are whatever weight and size you are you should love yourself right if you want to be more thin fine work out and do your thing and eat healthy but do it in a healthy way but always be positive and happy you can't give your body negativity because it's not going to flourish you know what i mean and for some reason i felt like it was a rebellion just to like not give a fuck you know and I did it. And, you know, I'm actually now back on the kick of like working out and helping my body and soul again. But also like I felt like it was a rebellion then, you know, just to be like, whatever. So yeah. I'm curious. I mean, if you were close to Fifi and, and with your own competition, did you uh, experience any pushback from people within the leather community? I mean, you don't have to mention specific names if you did, but I'm just curious. 50-50. I feel like after I won Mr. Precinct, you know, that night, I, I I'm sure people were pissed, you know, but there was equally as many people happy, you know, happy to see someone do it again, and or have a voice to say like I'm here, I'm who I am, and I'm gonna keep going, you know, and I you know, I've met so many people, and you know, winning that title and then competing in Mr. for Mr. Los Angeles is just like such a milestone in my life. And I'm going to think about it often. I've, I've made lifelong friends. I've learned lifelong lessons and I was still able to give and share my story. I feel like I didn't really realize the extent of my, of my impact was until after, you know, everything had happened, you know, when you go to bars and people know who you are and also getting messages and, and things from people saying like, you really helped me feel this way. And, you know, people that I didn't know and people that I did know for years, you know, that, don't talk to me or, or, you know, like, just like that. Like you really don't, you do the best by being yourself and living your truth because you're, you're always impacting somebody. And that's what I learned. You know? Oh my gosh. You, what you just told me right now brought me a flashback. I don't know if you remember this. Do you remember the first time that you met me? I think I do. Well, honestly, to be honest, to be real, you want to be, want to hear, want to hear some shady shit. I think I hit you up on Grinder or, or, or something before yeah. I met you and you never miss it. Uh, did you message me? Or did you miss me? I don't even remember. I, I don't remember. Grinder. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm we sure saw each other online, but I remember seeing you at the bullet bar with your vest on. And this must have been 2018. Oh. And I, I thought you were cute and I, I maybe I recognized you on from online and and I remember going up to you and I was like this is before I even knew that leather was a thing. I was going to the bullet for years and I didn't realize that it was even tied to leather, but well, I mean, the bullets amazing. Yeah. And like, I've been going to the bullet for a really long time. Michael's met me like over and over and over again. So finally, he, now he finally knows my name. But, How could you be forgettable? But I, I just remember well, saying like, what is that? And you're like, Oh, I'm, I'm Mr. Precinct leather. And I was like, okay. Like I had no idea what it was until now. Here we are. <laughs> That was nice, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Do you remember that night? I, I, I do, I do. Uh, yeah, I mean, we've had, you know, multiple. I mean, Bullet's a hub, you know? Sure. Like, that's like, you know, Precinct is my home, but, like, Bullet's my, my backyard, you know? Yeah, definitely. I mean, there's not a day that I go by there where I don't feel like I'm at home in some way. There's sometimes where I'm coming home from you know, my original hometown and having dealt with my family, which I still have issues with and, and stuff like that. And I would, it would be like 1130 at night and, and I would just get into LA and I'm like, I'm going to go to the bullet. <laughs> and I always feel better. There's always somebody that you could meet there or it's just like the gay cheers, I guess you could say. Yeah. yeah. Where everybody knows your home. <laughs> exactly. Or cock or anything for that matter, where they know you. <laughs> and your drink because they've always got your drink okay, well, speaking of bars and I, I know I told you not to mention any bar names so um, be careful here. <laughs> okay. what is your uh, do you have like a most sexual kinky experience at a bar that you could share with us 
Oh, well, shit. I mean, like, I've been fucked and fucked in a bathroom. I've been fucked and fucked, like, on a bar. I've been <laughs> fucked and fucked on a table. Like, alleys, cars. Like, you fucking name it, dude. Like, <laughs> you know? Like, I mean, it's it's Los Angeles. Like, you know? I don't know. I don't even know what that means. What does that even mean? <laughs> it's LA. Do what you want. No, I mean, um, yeah, like... I mean, when the time is right and the feeling is right, you know, sex knows no limits. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I still have rug burns. <laughs> you crack me up. When it comes to cruising, do you are you a flagger or are you just the kind of the person that uh, roams around and feels the energy? I kind of feel like, I mean, I was cruising before I knew what cruising was, mm-hmm. to be honest, you know, because I think I knew my sexuality at a young age. Again, trigger warning. I think I was that, like, I don't know. I was always curious, you know? I was, like, the person with the wandering eye in the bathroom, you know what I mean? And, like, I've had multiple, like, anonymous bathroom sessions, you know? Um, As a sexual being, aren't we always looking for it? You know, um, and if when you when you reach a point, I think in your in your life and understanding and sexuality, when you're so comfortable with it, you kind of like I'm always on. You know what I mean? Like, my partner loves me, but he, you know, I I'm just like always sexual. You know what I mean? Like, I'm sure I'm too much to handle. But yes, nowadays, you know, now that I know how to flag and where to flag and who to flag, uh, Hunter Green because I'm a daddy, black for SM, gray for bondage, white for jacking off. I love blowjobs, so light blue, um, navy blue for a fucker, you know, magenta for pits. Now, this is very, I guess you could say, like, old guard. Uh, so I'm curious what you think about it. We got into a discussion about it over the Zoom party a few weeks ago, and some people were saying that, like, they're not sure that the flagging should be a thing anymore because, you know, no matter what color you're wearing, you shouldn't assume anything and, and to go up and, and to talk to the person first, which I think you should do anyways, flagging or not. But uh, others were saying that it's an important part of our tradition. Uh, where do you stand with that? Well, it's funny because like being from Norwalk where you can't wear certain colors, mm-hmm. you know, being a gay male, I can wear those certain colors if it's my fetish. So yeah. like it's kind of weird if you're in the wrong place at the wrong time and the wrong color, that can be misconstrued as a as a bad thing. You know what I mean? Are you meaning uh, meaning like gang references and stuff? Yes, yes, yes. That's completely what I mean. You know, so if like if you're white wearing red anywhere, it doesn't matter. But you know, if you're a person of color and you wear red in the wrong area, you know, whatever the color, you know, color may be, because you know, people take they don't really care, you know, that's right. that's what they see. I see I see red as fisting, and not everyone sees red as fisting, you know, whatever the case may be. Um now that now okay now in the question of where we are in the world and times i think you know like it's fun again same where i stand the same way i stand with everything else it's fun to pay homage and pay respect to the past but things have to move forward and evolve for the future you know like we have to walk around with our faces covered every day now you know what i mean like Mm you know, does flagging move to the face? You know what I mean? And then like, do we flagging yellow all over my face this whole quarantine? (laughs) I I have been also, you know, like just hoping that it turns into something maybe within within safety precautions, obviously. So it's a a difficult and touchy subject. I feel like only time will tell. I would like to keep some aspect of it in stream and function in, uh, in practice, Mm -hmm. you know, but I feel like it has to evolve and change in some sort of way to involve all the different kinks that people are are finding and discovering. And when you discover something again, someone else, I promise you is into it. So, you know, when one more, when more than one person shares a like-minded kink, there needs to be a flag invented for that, you Mm -hmm. know, and then we should all abide by it. So then their kink is relevant and expressed and, you know, they're, included in our community just as anybody else right right i like what you said about paying homage to the past where we came from but also not being afraid to kind of move forward and evolve and that's the thing like just so you have someone so if someone comes up and challenges you you know you're like listen i understand this this and this and that but this is how i feel Mm -hmm. and because because of that approach i've had to kink and the community I think I've I've changed people's minds about me. Some people think I'm just like, you know, this fucking person who's just like well, trying to, you know, I am trying to mess things up, but I'm messing things up for the better. But I, w- I do pay homage and I do pay respect and I do adhere to some old rules, but some are outdated and just honestly not for me. Mm-hmm. 
you know, with no offense to anyone. Um, you know, it's, it's like I do with life. I take my bits and pieces from every experience in life and I, and I'm, and I build myself, you know? Yeah. Definitely. Um, definitely. So to someone listening right now to your episode, your voice right now, and, um, never having stepped foot into a leather bar and maybe excited to explore kink and leather for the first time, busting out of quarantine. (laughs) (laughs) What would be your, your message to that person or your word of advice? Um, do it, do it, have fun. Um, one of my, my motto of life is no fears, no regrets, just life. Mm. Like go in there. Don't be afraid. Don't regret who you are, what you're doing. Just like, you know, within safety precautions, again, practice safe sex, practice consent, don't be a racist, and have a good time. <laughs> um, um, is, is, you know, just do it. Do it. Have a good fucking time. Enjoy yourself and uh, educate yourself. Try to find like-minded individuals and uh, build your own community. I'm here for anyone who wants someone to talk to, someone to reach out to for, you know, lots of different things. I'm here. I, I, and I know, and I'm still learning myself. And I think, again, if we think we know it all, we're wrong. I think we all make mistakes and we're all learning and we're all trying to become and be the best person we can be. And it's up to each other to help each other sometimes and give each other the guidance and hand and the queer love that you deserve because you are valid and let's fucking be nasty. (laughs) Well, with that said from Mr. Precinct Leather 2018 himself, uh, (laughs) Spike, how can we reach out to you? How can we stay connected? Um, I'm on Instagram, Spike Prince of Cats. I am a night flirt um, as Tattooed Hooligan. Again, you can reach out. Um, you can find my artwork, shoptheartist.com slash art by Spike. Um, and you can reach out directly, spikeprinceofcats at gmail.com. Got it. Awesome. Are there any organizations that you're part of? I'm not, I'm not involved specifically with any organization, organizations at the moment, but um, the translatinacoalition.org is something that I do agree with. They, you know, they specifically try to, they specifically um, provide needs for trans Latinas residing in the United States who are immigrants. Hmm. You know, it's beautiful. Check it out. Translatinacoalition.org. Awesome. I'll make sure to put a link to that in the description. Well, before we go, do you have any last statements you'd like to make before we wrap up? Uh, just be kind, everyone. Be kind and be dirty and don't ignore those dirty, dirty desires deep, deep down inside because they're just waiting to be woke. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I want to thank you again, Spike, for coming on the show and sharing with us your story and your experiences. Um, as always, you guys, before we go, I just want to remind you all that while we're all dealing with this quarantine, there are several organizations here within the Los Angeles leather community that are here to help. The LELC Cares, Bulletproof Pantry, and LE Leather COVID-19 Assist. If you or anyone you know is in need of assistance, please reach out. I will have links in the description below. As always, you can find me on Instagram and Patreon as Leather Talk Mr. Bullet and Facebook as Brandon Bullet. Don't forget to rate and subscribe. And as always, stay safe, stay healthy, and stay kinky. Okay.